BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Hey, welcome, greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. People are officially done with John Kelly after his absurd Civil War comments. This is uh, fascinating. The White House Chief of Staff blamed the war on a lack of compromise. A lack of compromise. The Civil War. It's like Eric Haywood responded to this in Twitter. He said, uh, so black people said, hey, we're not your property. And so there's uh, Southerners said, yeah, you sure are. And John Kelly said, damn shame they couldn't meet in the middle. I mean, that really summarizes it, right? This is uh, Ed Mazza writing over at uh, Huffington Post, you know, kind of summarizing some of these. Uh, Ted Lieu, the congressman from, uh, I believe, Hawaii, Uh, He said, Dear John Kelly, the United States of America exists because President Lincoln did not compromise. Great. Bernice King. I believe this is the daughter of uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. It's irresponsible and dangerous, especially when white supremacists feel emboldened to make fighting to maintain slavery sound courageous. I mean, let's, let's just be clear about what happened here, about what's going on. Jim Turr sent me a clip this overnight by coincidence. I'm not sure he even knew that uh, John Kelly was going to be defending the Confederacy this morning. But it's from the South Carolina Articles of Secession, which are widely quoted. They're the, the, the most explicitly racist and the most, you know, clear. The South Carolina uh, secession document comes right out and says, you know, this is all about slavery. The declaration of the immediate causes which induce and justify the secession of South Carolina from the Federal Union, quote, and now the state of South Carolina, having resumed her separate and equal place among nations, suggests that she should declare the immediate causes which have led to this act. Paraphrasing from the Declaration of Independence here. Those non-slaveholding states have assumed the right of deciding upon the property of our domestic institutions. In other words, slavery and have denied the rights of property established in 15 of the states and recognized by the Constitution. That would mean the right of white people to say that black people are their property, right? They have denounced as sinful the institution of slavery. They have permitted open establishment among them of societies whose avowed object is to disturb the peace and to alloin the property of the citizens of other states, in other words, to free slaves. They have encouraged and assisted thousands of our slaves to leave their homes, and those who remain have been incited by emissaries, books, and pictures to servile insurrection. That's interesting, because servile and insurrection, I think, are like, you know, opposites, not synonyms. A graphical line, this is back to South Carolina's secession document. A graphical line has been drawn across the Union, and all the states north of that line have united in the election of a man to the high office of the President of the United States whose opinions and purposes are hostile to slavery. Government cannot endure permanently half-slave, half-free. Right, so make it all slaves, or we're out of here. 
That was that was what Robert E. Lee said. That was that was what these guys were defending. This is what these guys stood for. And John Kelly comes out and says, oh, no, it was just, you know, the Civil War was because we couldn't compromise, right? Abe Lincoln didn't want, didn't want to compromise. Now, you can argue, and I think probably effectively, that Lincoln should have simply said to the South, okay, see you guys later. Yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of document, documentary evidence that Lincoln did not expect that the Civil War was going to last for years, that he thought it was going to be a matter of a few weeks and we'll take down these rebels and that'll be the end of that. It just didn't work out that way. But, you know, without relitigating the Civil War, I think that we can, we can look back and say, yeah, you know, the, the southern states, there were more slaves living in Mississippi and Alabama than there were white people at the time of the Civil War. This was, this was the principal wealth of the United States, North and South, were slaves. And the products that slaves produced, like the city of Washington, D.C., and perhaps, frankly, most other southern cities, were built with slave labor. So it's, it's like, it's ahistoric. So the question, and, and Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, uh, put together a brilliant tweet storm this morning. I retweeted the thing an hour or so ago. He says, the notion that the Civil War resulted from a lack of compromises belied by all the compromises made on enslavement from America's founding. And he, t and he points to the three-fifths compromise. I mean, just it, right there in the Constitution, that when you're, when you're figuring out how many representatives in the House of Representatives a state should have, it's a function of population. And people in the South said, hey, we should have more representatives in Congress because we've got all these people. And people in the North said, yeah, but you don't let those people vote. They're slaves. And the people in the South said, yeah, but they're people. And the people in the North said, then free them. And the people in the South said, no, but please count them. And that's where they were at when they said, okay, we'll count three-fifths of them to determine how many members of the House of Representatives you get. And we'll write it into the Constitution. That was a compromise. John Kelly this is, this is, anyhow, Ta-Nehisi Coates. I mean, it, like, it's called the Three-Fifth Compromise for a reason, and it doesn't stand alone. The Missouri Compromise, the Kansas-Nebraska Act. Lincoln was not an abolitionist. He proposed to limit slavery's expansion, not end it. That was before the war. And, you know, he goes through this whole, this whole long list. It, it shouldn't be necessary for us to acknowledge that, that the, the Civil War was fought to defend the institution of slavery, period, full stop. And it's an indefensible institution, which raises the question, did John Kelly do this this morning in order to change the subject away from the possible impeachment of Donald Trump or the prosecution of people in the Trump administration for high crimes and misdemeanors? Or did John Kelly say this this morning? Did he do this, or last night, or whenever he did it? Or did John Kelly do this, say this, because he's an idiot? Somehow I doubt that a four-star general is an idiot. Now, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm naive. I haven't spent years in the military. I don't know. Uh, well, actually, I do know one general. But actually, I think he's an admiral, but, you know, same difference. But why did John Kelly say this? Are, is this the latest Trump administration effort to deflect our conversation? I mean, is that really what it's all about? Is, this, is, is John Kelly willing to destroy his own personal reputation and his own, you know, the way that he is treated by, by history? Is John Kelly willing to do that just to help Donald Trump? I, it may be. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. It's increasingly looking like that, that that's the situation. And then the question becomes, you know, will Paul Mar Manafort and, uh, you know, and his business partner and, and some of his associates, are they willing to go to prison for Donald Trump? 
And you know, so far it looks like yes, but I think that this whole this whole thing here, the 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 uh, you know, taking down Manafort and everything else, this is this is uh, Mueller's way of saying, okay, buddy, this is this is what we've got on you. And to anybody else who's part of this, this is what we can do to you. They didn't even give uh, Manafort the courtesy of calling his lawyers and telling him what was up. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with your calls, my thoughts, and more of the news of the day right after this. Welcome back. Lost causism is what John Kelly is promoting. The, uh, after the Civil War, there, were, uh, there was this uh, General Pollard and there were a bunch of others who worked to promote this idea of what's referred to as the lost cause narrative of the South in the Civil War. And it has three basic positions, three tenets. Uh, the first is that the Confederates, the, the soldiers were actually heroes. They, they were heroic people who were fighting for their part of the country, their way of life. They were heroes. Number two, that the people that they enslaved were happy. And in fact, there's a, uh, there's a video that Ezra Klein tweeted out this morning. I just liked it, if that helps you find it. In which uh, there's a little six-minute video of the, the tenets of lost causism. Number one, the Confederate flight was heroic. Number two, enslaved people were happy. Number three, slavery was not the root cause of the war. And that's essentially what John Kelly was saying last night. He was promoting lost causism. And it's one of the most toxic lies that has ever been promoted and widely accepted in the United States. It's really a tragedy. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. Um, You're right in the fact that um, General Kelly is an educated man. And he's, a, he's an intelligent man. Um, he knows that he's promoting a pseudo-history. Okay, I know he does. The problem is, like so many officers I served with, now, now in all fairness, General Kelly's a Marine. I was in the Army, okay? So in the Army, it is a highly competitive system. You compete against your peers for promotion, all right? right. And what I noticed, and I mean, I know this is, this is you know, um, this is just a bitter truth. Um, what I noticed is, is if you were inherently bigoted or racist, you had an advantage in the global war on terror, an advantage over your peers. You had a certain clarity, a certain, um, you know, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I can only say of all the major majors and higher colonels, generals, of all the ones I worked with, I only knew a couple successful ones that I can honestly say weren't racist. They, they faked it. They knew when to fake being uh, prejudiced and racist. So, and Dave, I say that, Dave, okay. is another way to say this that that the American military, people in the American military, are very clear that their job is to defend uh, white supremacy and and represent the interests of white people in the United States. Is that what you're suggesting? No. What I'm saying is, let me give you an example. Um, I knew people that, like, for instance, I worked with a guy. He was, um, he was a, a, an educated Farsi speaker, mm-hmm. all right, and he, and he was a self-taught Arabic speaker. He spoke quite a bit of Arabic, but he was the most anti-Semitic guy I knew, mm-hmm. all right? And, I mean, and, um, he, he, it didn't matter if you were Hebraic or if you were um, uh, Arabic. He was very anti-Semitic. All right, and so you can't say he wasn't intelligent. Like I said, he was a very fluent Farsi speaker. But the the thing, what I'm saying is, is um, but there's in, layers in of stuff time, in there, Dave. Yeah. I mean, Farsi is spoken in Iran. The Iranians consider themselves Persians. They don't call themselves, um, you know, Semites. They're not. They don't consider themselves Arabs, and uh, and certainly they don't consider themselves Jews. And those are the Semitic people. And so to learn a language is also to learn a culture. And if he learned Farsi, he also probably learned the Iranian culture, which rather looks, as most cultures do, by the way, you know, the Japanese think they're the pinnacle, literally the pinnacle of evolution. Um, But, you know, the Farsi speakers, the Iranians, uh, rather look down on on Arabs and Jews. I mean, that, 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 
Surprise, surprise, right? What does that have to do with the U.S. military? I, what I was saying is if, 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 if your statement that people who compete their way to the top of the U.S. military do so in part based on the, the heroic efforts that they applaud to suppress people of color um, or nations of color. The, the, you said the war on terror. Oh, my God, it's all about brown people who, who uh, you know, revere Mohammed. It's, it, 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 is, so, so why would that not be you know, white racism and white supremacy? I mean, obviously, nobody ever would call it by those words, but... Yeah, if you if I mean you know, we saw this during the Vietnam War uh, era, there there were there were uh, racial epithets that were used to de describe Vietnamese that I'm unwilling to say on the air right now that were routine parts of conversation in the '60s, and and during World War II, I mean my dad who who uh, was part of the occupation of Japan after the war um, used to refer to Japanese and German by Germans by slurs they're not quite as you know, horrific, the, the, uh, the Japs and the Krauts, he used to say, I don't think those are words that Japanese and Germans uh, consider as hurtful as words like the N-word. But, I mean, you know, he, it, 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 his whole life, it was, uh, it was colored by World War II uh, and, you know, and the dislike of countries that we ended up at war with. Uh, but that, that's a whole different thing than, than defending the Civil War, Dave. Well, you're right. The, the unintended consequences are like um, General Kelly's inability to counsel Donald Trump on how to simply handle a condolence call. Right. And that's the, that's the consequences of his bigotry and his bias. And it's sad. I don't say it as an insult. I wish the man with his, his powerful position and everything would reevaluate, you know, his, his, his bias. I really wish he would. But I don't think he's going to because yeah. it served him well, so, you know, since... So, it served him well. Well, and these are and these are this is a belief system. This is a, this is a, a complete worldview, coherent belief system that serves white people really well, to essentially you know minimize the the uh, in, in incredible level of of emotional damage and cultural damage done to people of color by by white people in North America for the last four or five hundred years. So. Yes, yeah, it's, it's sad, yeah. but you're correct. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, hopefully it will change. Yeah, hopefully. Dave, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Well said. Will in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, Will, what's up? Hey, Mr. Herman. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. It's on your mind. I think you might be, for, you might be missing one other third one, that, that Kelly's a true believer. In what? And what, He's a true, he's a true believer. And what I'm going to say is I think that since the Southern strategy, the GOP has become the Confederate Party. Yeah. Philosophically, their underpinning is all similar to the Confederacy. They're bigoted, they're racist, they're sexist, they're hyper-militaristic. They believe the underpinnings of that and support of that is fundamentalist religion, Christianity. And Kelly believes in this. Right. And, 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 and part and parcel of that is the belief in white supremacy, is the belief that white people are the most evolved people on earth and... Uh, and and therefore they, they you know white people should have the power over well, it's a others. Western Christian civilization is the most advanced. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this it is doesn't a, necessarily be white. It is this Western Christian civilization. Well, it's a story that that tribes have told themselves from the beginning of history. I mean, Adam and Eve are literally Hebrew words for man and woman. Uh, the and you know the, the every every religion and every culture has a story, a creation story, in which they were the first people and culture created. Everyone. And, uh, you know, so every, every religion and every culture puts themselves forward, you know, as, as we're the best. That shouldn't be a surprise. But, but when, when it goes from we're, we're the best to they're less than us, I mean, I, I guess we're the best is pretty toxic in and of itself. But, you know, it seems to me that what Kelly is promoting is white supremacy, is, is the idea that, you know, there should have been a compromise with slaves, with slaveholders. Um, compromise, really? I mean, I, I, that, that assumes that there's something well, yeah, with many, some integrity how many, to how, how, many, how many compromises has the United States made with slavery before that? They finally fell apart, these compromises. 
Yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, that yeah that that was Coates's whole whole point this morning, and and I and, absolutely uh, agree with it. And and but, but but Kelly comes out of an authoritarian system, being a general in the military. He's a he comes from an authoritarian that that supports an authoritarian structure. Right. And that speech, that gold star speech he gave, he showed his contempt, revealed his contempt for civilian governance and civilians, which is not a good thing. What what no, it's what? Not, uh, what uh, line the only, will the only good spin? And I'm stretching here with Kelly. The only good spin you can have, and I'm stretching because I don't believe it, is that he just wants to keep his jobs and stay close to the president to try to stop him from doing something truly crazy. Yeah. But I, but I don't believe that. Hmm. But that's the best you can be. That he came out and sacrificed his own honor and his own intellectual honesty by coming out making these things to stay as his his, his secretary of staff. Mm-hmm. Stay close to him. Yeah, but I don't really believe that. Yeah, I you know I've I've heard that 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 Kelly's doing he's keeping his job out of some noble impulse and he wants to protect us from crazy Trump. It is increasingly obvious to me that uh, it's not crazy Trump that it, that, that, the, that there's a very that there's a very real problem here and, with John and, Kelly. And that's that solution is just as bad as Trump getting another term. Yeah is a coup by the generals is just as bad a situation as Trump stand in office for another term. Well, you could argue that it's far worse. I mean, military coups yeah. tend to have very, very, very bad outcomes. Crazy guy in office, oh. he gets out, he gets voted out of office in the next four years. Well, it'd be the end of the constitutional democracy we have. It'd be well, it, it, it was in Chile when Pinochet did his uh, coup. I mean, you know, it's, it's not the only one. There have been there have been many of these. So anyhow, Will, thanks for the call and thanks for listening to Sirius Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We'll be back in just a minute. We're coming up on 15 minutes before the hour. It's the Tom Hartman program. Stick around. We'll be right back. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink. Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of superbeats for free, plus indicator strips to see how superbeats is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. Welcome back. Kirk in Asheville, North Carolina, watching us on Free Speech TV on DirecTV. Hey, Kirk, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. It's been a while. Uh, you know, this whole conversation, actually, I got a question, but even General Patton, in a letter to his father, I think in 1916, believed in the few leading the many for the many's benefit. Mm. I mean, he, he believed in uh, just what you were talking about. Before, you didn't say aristocracy, but whatever you said. I mean, he had a lot of problems with uh, a lot of the democratic institutions. But he, being, uh, I mean, he was an aristocrat. He was one of the richest generals raised in a rich family. He believed in that, you know, which was completely erroneous. But my question, are you still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Okay, my question was, I just I just read this book by Ayn Rand, The New Intellectual, and the reason I read it is I'm trying to wrap my head around because I I believe you've said that that this is Paul Ryan's philosophy and all that. And my question is, after reading the book, my interpretation of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that capitalism is king. And we are our own gods. That's what I got from it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a fairly good summary. And, and that whoever is the top predator has, as the result of being the top predator, the right to rule society. 
That, that's the, probably the most important uh, embed in all of Ayn Rand's writings, is that if you're Dagmy, Dag, was it Dagby Tag, Taggart, I think was her name, the, 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 the daughter, uh, she and her brother inherited the railroad from daddy uh, in right. Atlas Shrugged. Um, you know, if you're, if you're born into a wealthy family and you inherit a railroad, then you have every right to tell your employees that they have to drive that railroad on a, on a rickety bridge on an experimental rail across a, a canyon that may well kill you because, hey, I own the railroad, damn it. You're my employee. You've, you must do what I say. The, this is the whole Ayn Rand worldview that Paul Ryan has adopted, yes. Do you, do you think it's prolific through the Republican Party? Yes. Yeah, of course. This is, and, and by the way, it's just a variation on white supremacy. It's, 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 it's a variation on, on, you know, religions that believe that they're the one true religion because they're the, the only real people and the first, the first culture and civilization. It's all, it's all the same stuff, Kirk. It's this, it's this belief that, you know, because we were more competent predators than another race or another group or, or people from another place or whatever, that therefore we have the right to rule them. Yeah. And that's I mean, yeah. that's that's that that's the really bottom line. And that's and that's embedded in capitalism. Whoever has the greatest amount of money, you know, the old the old joke about the golden rule. He who has the gold gets to see the gets to make the rules and, uh, you know, et cetera. It's, it's like this. This is this is a real problem. I agree. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Kirk. Good talking with you. In five seconds, okay. Yeah, I, I, I won't uh, drag that out. So, anyhow, we'll be back. Stick around. Missouri City, Texas. Hey, Warren, what's on your mind today? I'm Tom. Hey, uh, Warren. Uh, you let me call in and rant a couple of weeks ago about uh, global warming and uh, how it's misrepresented to everyone in uh, this area. Uh, I think you don't understand about uh, Kelly and uh, his comments basically on the same thing. Uh, ignorance is kind of worshipped in the South. It has to be, because otherwise you can't justify racism. Well, is it is it that ignorance is worshipped, or is it that ignorance is, is a necessary, you know, I'm thinking about alcoholic families who don't discuss alcoholism, you know? It's, is it just a, it's a necessary survival mechanism to keep their culture intact, what they call exactly. their culture. Exactly. Exactly. I think I think I think you hit it on the on the head with with that analogy, uh, and it was always bad, but now it's infected the country. Yeah, and I think this goes all the way back to Forrest Gump. Well, it it this may be a, uh, actually a, a blessing in disguise, Warren, because we're having these conversations right now that we weren't having, you know, a year or two ago. Yeah, but I saw Trump as being the leader of the South before he won his first Republican campaign. And I talked to a lot of people in the South, and nine out of ten of them told me, well, Donald Trump will never get the nomination. And I'd say, the racism, he's not, oh, yes, there's no way, I'm voting for so-and-so, there's no way Donald Trump will ever get my vote. They all voted for him. Yeah, yeah, we know how that that turned out. and now they're supporting vehemently. And if you'd see my Facebook page, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it it, it really is a, an extraordinary time. And and the fact that we are here in 2017. I mean, the Civil War ended in 1865. The, the, all these years later, we're still litigating or relitigating 
uh, and dealing with the consequences of slavery is mind-boggling. Warren, I got to move along, yeah. but thank you for the call. Darnell in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Darnell, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm just calling in regards to a previous caller. He had expressed um, two movies in regards to, I think it was uh, Birth of a Nation was one of the two movies in 12 Years a Slave. Right. Well, he was saying just how grueling it was to sit there and watch, and you had correct him on uh, Birth of a Nation. Actually, it was the title of a new movie made in 2016 by a guy named Nick Park. He also played opposite Denzel Washington in uh, The Great Debaters. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Ah, The Birth of a Nation. Right, yeah. right, right. And, okay. and it was uh, more about Nat Turner and the, and the role he played in regards to the slave rebellion. He was initially a pastor, a preacher, and they used him to come and subdue all the natives, all the slaves, right. to prevent them from, from trying to escape and stuff like that. And he actually used the Bible uh, scriptures to actually motivate them to stand up and fight back. So just wanted to make a correction on that. Cool. I've got to, I've got to track the movie to, down and watch it. See, that's a great movie. Darnell, do you, do you know if it's available on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, or is it? It, yes, it was recently. It should still be uh, on Netflix. Uh, the only the, the bad thing about it is that the movie was kind of like um, it ended too it ended too well in the shows or anything like that because he it was a big smear camp campaign about some having his personal life when he was in college probably with a student or uh, uh, yeah. uh, unwanted advances or something like that. So it was a big smear campaign that prohibited him from actually uh, being catapulted into a higher stratus of uh, success with the movie. But it's an amazing movie. It's very yeah. very graphic. I will have to check it out. Slaves. There's one scene where it shows um, the slave didn't want to eat, so the slave owner had his uh, handlers actually pull each tooth out one by one and shove this pipe down his throat and feed him so he wouldn't starve. It's crazy. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So you might want to check it out. Yeah, this was a brutal institution. I mean, you know, to, to, to keep people in, literally in slavery yeah, it requires a level of brutality that is almost unimaginable. Just look at the brutality in our prisons right now, uh, you know, and that's that's just keeping people in cages. Um, Darnell, uh, thank you very much for the call, and thanks for the clarification. I appreciate oh, you're it. welcome. Yeah, thank you. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Um, I just wanted to talk about the cause of the Revolutionary War mm -hmm. and how that was pretty much because the British banks saw that we they were uh, – the colonies were very successful with um, producing their own money and stopped this in 1764. And uh, this kind of what, you know, and then that led to like a depression, you know, which kind of led to the Revolutionary War indirectly. Right. And I'm just, you know, sequeling that into my idea about public banking. I keep harping on this. And I went to my town hall and I brought this up again with you know, during the headlights stare from my uh, legislator. Although he did kind of lip serve me and act like I'm kind of crazy. He says, I got all your emails and stuff. So I just want to give a shout out to those, you know, there's 10 states that currently have uh, legislating or they're really pushed for public banking. So people out there can get on board. Yeah. And it should be all 50. <laughs> you know, public banking is a I know. great, is it just a, you know, Ellen Brown is so right on on this and so solid on this. Jeff, thanks for the call. Well, well said. Alex in Edison, New Jersey. Hey, Alex, what's on your mind today? Uh, hi, Tom. Uh, just had a kind of a side comment here. I wonder if slavery is a function of, of racism. Now, racism is necessary to justify slavery. Correct. But I wonder if there may be a, an explanation for it from evolutionary biology. This is not an idea <laughs> I came up with, but I've been reading about it. And that is that people being, different peoples being from different groups contain different pathogens. And as such, they, can, they develop a collective disgust or racism, which gets rewarded by nature with their survival. So if you hate different groups, you kill them, and then, you know, you're not worried about their pathogens infecting your own. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the, the, the major way that Europeans killed Native Americans was by infecting them with influenza. Um, but I don't, of course, I, you know, I don't, I'm, probably there were a lot of Native American societies that saw that they were being killed by, uh, by the flu and also by syphilis that was brought from Europe. Um, but, you know, they still essentially lost to the white people, to the predators. Uh, but I understand what you're saying, Alex. Uh, you know, it doesn't justify this at all. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. Thanks a lot, people. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Tom Hartman. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And interesting news on the economy from uh, a week or three ago that it was less than three, but in any case, that the U.S. economy has grown more than 3% in the last quarter at an annualized rate. Um, This is consequential because decade over decade, 10-year period over 10-year period, Starting in, 19, in, the, in 1950, the decade of the 50s, we had annual growth in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. For a full 10 years, average growth well in excess of 3%. Then Reagan came into office in 81, did his giant tax cuts, dropped the top rate from 74% down to 25%, these giant tax breaks for, for wealthy people and for corporations, and we haven't hit 3% of, of decade-long growth since then. We just hit it for a quarter, but that's, you know, that's kind of the exception that proves the rule. I mean, it's, it's, so why not go back to the tax policies we had before Reagan that gave us the strongest growth in the history of our nation? On the line with us is Joe Messina. He is the host of The Real Side with Joe Messina. TheRealSide.com uh, is the website. Uh, you can tweet him at TheRealSide. Uh, Joe, welcome back to the program. Joe? No, Joe. Joe? I'm here. Hey, there I'm you here. are. Okay. Sorry about that. So, so <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you now. <laughs> yes. So why should, we, why should we not learn from the lessons of history? Why do, you want to, why do you want us to keep repeating the mistakes of the Reagan era? Well, I don't know. If, you know, I'm listening to the numbers that you're throwing out there, and I'm not an economic expert. I can barely... Uh, balance my own checkbook, and I've had a few businesses in my time. But the New York Times kind of um, doesn't agree with you. They say under Barack Obama, we had a 1.2% annual GDP growth. Under, uh, let's see, Gerald Ford, it was 2.2. But under Jimmy Carter, it was 3.2. Ronald Reagan was 3.5. So, you know, I, I guess the numbers go where you want them to go, depending on what's well, I'm talking. Well, I'm talking decades. You're talking presidential terms. And, and well, yeah. you know, there, there are differences. Difference, Tom, it? I mean, but the reality is that we haven't had a full decade of 3% growth since, ni- since 1979. For the whole decade. You're probably yeah. right. I, I mean, yeah. You know, but, but do I want to go back to, you're saying you want to go back to pre-Reaganomics? If yeah, I'm would, saying Reaganomics that. screwed the country. Reaganomics screwed the middle class. We haven't seen growth in, in average working people's wages. In fact, you know, while household income has gone up in the last 30 years, it's gone up largely because we've gone from 1.2 workers in a household to over two workers in a household. Now it's not just mom and dad working. they got the kids working, too, in order to support the household. So household income is all the way up to, you know, in the high 40s. But individual income is still in the 20s. So individual income has not moved in 30 years. Uh, you know, Reagan put a stop to that, just full stop, between his war on labor right, and, his, and his tax so policy. And then is because of Reagan's policies, we haven't been able to move the needle for 30 years. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is that the contention here? Actually, no. Actually, what I'm saying is the needle has been moving in the wrong direction. For 30 years, $7.1 trillion has moved out of the pockets of the middle class and into the pockets of the top 1%. When my dad retired right. about a decade ago or maybe a decade and a half ago, uh, you know, at 65 from 40 years in a tool and die shop, he had, he owned his house, he had a pension, he had Social Security, he had, I mean, he, he was doing just great, right? And uh, his car was paid off and everything. That does not happen by and large anymore. You know, middle class wealth like that is wiped out by Reaganomics. Well, I, I, again, I, I, you, you're blaming it all on one process, on one president. You know, you've had two presidents that's been able to change it, whether it's uh, uh, Mr. Clinton and Mr. Obama. Both of them had opportunities to change that. And they Apparently failed they to. Didn't. They didn't figure it out. But wait a minute. Let, let me, let me kind of answer your question. You, you, you get into Obama and you look at the jobless rate, or not the jobless rate, you look where people were at. You know, when you, when you look at... Um, People that were suffering out of poverty, that went up. What, what happened to those 
uh, economic changes that Mr. Obama made. They they didn't seem to help at all. The Obama, uh, the well, got, that's, that's my point. Obama, Obama did not raise taxes back to where they were before Reagan came into office. I mean, we could, we could point out, and I think it's probably wait, 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 important to point out that, that, that... Are you suggesting, though, again, that raising taxes is going to put more people back to work? Yes, I am. And, and in addition to that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, you, you know, if you're, going to, if you're going to make statements about the Obama administration, you have to preface them by acknowledging that George W. Bush and the Republican Party and their deregulation of the late 90s led to these, the largest crash since the Great Depression, you know, one of the worst recessions in American history. And, okay. and again, Republicans want to repeat that, too. So, yes, well, I'm, I'm you, absolutely you saying I, that. I'm saying that if rich people I, had less money up, to I mean, stick in their, in their, in their offshore checking Obama, accounts yeah, and, and therefore there was RIT. more money in the pockets of working people, that those working people would spend that money and that creates demand and that's what drives economies. Well, my, my contention is when people have more money, yeah, they do spend more money. I've had businesses where I had people working for me. But let's get back to what you said a second ago. You know, when, when you talk about what went on, whether it's under Obama, Reagan, any president, right, you've got to stimulate the economy, get people out working, willing to spend money. If, if but, Joe, that's not true of rich went, people. What? That's not true of rich people. If you've got, you know, I, I guarantee you that, you know, you get some Wall Street billionaire who's making a billion dollars a year on Wall Street, you know, if they, if they start making a half a billion dollars a year instead of a billion, they're not going to work half as many hours. Or if they start making two billion, they're not going to work twice as many. You know, and besides that, twice as many for a billion dollars, really? Rich but people it's, have it's everything they want. They just no, put more money in their blame, savings accounts. We blame that top 1%. You know, they're not going to go out and spend money. They're making more money or what have you. But if they're so cheap, if they're so squeaky, if they won't give up the money, then what makes you think they're going to hire anybody if they're paying more taxes? I had 19 people working for me. At one point in time, and in another business I had, and I got to tell you something. You know, they were out. They needed things. When they got raises, they bought more things. When I didn't have to pay as much in taxes, or I got more revenue, and I hired more people. It all right. You are not describing on- the experience of the top one percent in America. You're describing describing the experience of an entrepreneur, and I've had that experience too. And 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 the reality is that that the people, you know, that that those nineteen people you hired. I'm willing yeah. to bet, Joe, that not a single one of them did you hire because you could afford to, that instead you hired all of them in order to meet the demands of the marketplace. And the demands of the marketplace, aggregate demand, Econ 101, aggregate demand is over 90% of aggregate demand is comprised of wages. So if you okay. want to increase, right. if you want to stimulate an economy, raise up. wages okay. like Eisenhower did, like Lyndon Johnson did, like Jack Kennedy did, raise wages. Right. So the companies, the companies I was doing work for, they made capital investments when they made more money. They upgraded equipment when they made more money because I was in the computer world. And when they would, when they would need more, when they had to have more, when they had to do more work for them, we had to hire people, more people to come in and do that work. Right. You're making my point. You've got, you you know, if if you're, if you're going to grow your company, you have to remain competitive. I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is that, is that if you think that companies are going to change their behavior, non-financial services companies are going to change their behavior as a result of tax cuts. You're believing in something that has never been demonstrated to be true, or at least if they're going to change their behavior in a way that works to the advantage of working people in America. In fact, the opposite is true. Every time wealthy people in this country get more power and more tax breaks, and I would say look at the 1920s, look at the Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover administrations for great examples of this, what they did with that money is screw their workers. I, you're talking about the, 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 the upper, upper, upper 1% of these businesses. Yes, these are the people that Paul Ryan wants but, to give tax cuts to. These are the people that Donald Trump is, is, is one of. He wants to give tax cuts to himself. He wants to do away with the alternative minimum tax, cut his own taxes by $25 million a year. All right. So, I, so, the, so then the movement made by, 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 again, people in your party, whether it be Obama, Clinton, or what have you, all of those, when the 1% got richer, was that okay? Were you against what they were doing? I'm simply saying that the, that the tax policy that we had before Reagan came in with these obscene and absurd ideas that if you, if you give more money to rich people, somehow that's going to make poor people less poor is nonsense. Joe Messina, TheRealSide.com is the website. You can tweet him at TheRealSide or at Joe Messina, M-E-S-S-I-N-A. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Tom. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be right back. Stick around. 
was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code Tom. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom. That's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use THOM in, as the promo code for your $100 discount. And welcome back. Herb uh, in Foley, Alabama. Hey, Herb, what's on? Thank you for watching. Yeah, Tom, TV. What's on your I mind? was wondering. Why is it the major news is not making any comments on the release of the uh, Kennedy files? I, if I read one of them right, it says that the uh, autopsy performed by the Surgeon General then, the Surgeon General stated that there was an entrance room through the neck and two other wounds, wounds which would indicate that there was at least two shooters. I don't know if there's a gag order in the major news studios or what. Can you give me your opinion? Yeah, I don't. I, to the best of my knowledge, none of the documents that were released uh, spoke to the to the issue of the autopsy or those other things. I think mostly they just released things that corroborated existing conventional wisdom, and you know they're still redacting and withholding large quantities of documents. So you know we just we just don't know. Uh, we don't uh, know what's well, going on. Well, I looked on the computer after it was announced that Trump on Saturday night released more documents. Right. On Sunday, I looked on the computer and there was documents there about the autopsies performed by the Surgeon General. And I just wondered, well, is there a gag I, order? I don't think the Sur Surgeon General... Or what? Yeah, the, the Surgeon General didn't perform an autopsy. It was, I, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, I thought it was done by a, a surgeon at Walter Reed Hospital. But, um, but whatever. It's, it, to, it, to the best of my knowledge, there's, no, there's nothing new, Herb. Uh, with regard uh, to the JFK. Well, the reason I find it because I was watching that program for, of uh, InfoWars. Oh, you were watching Alex Jones? I was uh, wondering how reliable was the information coming through that because it was coming by streaming through the computer for yeah. InfoWars. Yeah, how reliable is uh, Alex Jones? I, You know, you can probably Google that question. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to speak to it. I, I, uh, I think it's rather self-evident. How are we doing on time, Sean? One minute. One minute. Great. Thank you. Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, you got a minute. What's up? Hey, Tom, can you hear me? I hear you just fine. It's on your mind. Take you off speakerphone there. Uh, I'm not in a free speech block, am I? Uh, you are. What's on your mind? Okay. Hey, someday tell us about those trophies behind you, okay? Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, listen, when people ask, uh, you know, about making America great again, we should ask them uh, what year specifically you're referring to. Is this before or after Citizens United? Is it before or after Reagan? Is it before or after the tax rate was 91%? I think it's before the Civil War when white people could own black people. <laughs> I mean, it's, that seems to be what Kelly is pointing out today. There was a, a funny meme, too, over at uh, Democratic Underground yesterday, MAGA, you know, uh, that Trump has on his caps and everything. Uh, means uh, many arrests going going around or something like that. Uh, you know, many Americans getting arrested. I, I don't know. It, it seems like that's that's what's happening in Trump world, or many are getting arrested. M A G A. But but uh, Chaz, you know, I, we will see where this where this uh, where this goes. But it does it does seem like the the, the Trump pets are melting down. Chez, thanks a lot for the call. We'll be right back. Stick around.
On April 15, 1949, Pacifica Radio KPFA 94.1 FM, Berkeley, California, went on the air for the first time, introducing listener-sponsored community radio to America. One of the most influential women of the 20th century, Ms. Gloria Steinem. We have a unique reproductive function, and in order to control the number of workers, the number of soldiers, what race they are, what class they are, who they belong to in systems of marriage or legitimacy. Patriarchy was born. The definition of patriarchy is to control women's bodies. Gloria Steinem from 1997, part of Voices of Pacifica series back in the 90s. Did you know that you can get most any of the 50,000 Pacifica broadcasts in our collection? Visit us online at pacificaradioarchives.org and help support the archives' mission to preserve Pacifica's broadcast legacy. Welcome to the Million Color Revolution. Dia in Round Lake, Illinois. Hey, Dion, what's on your mind today? Yeah, Tom, how are you doing? Great. What's up? Yeah, um, uh, since we have a huge gap in the income inequality, we know it could lead to mental illness. And uh, the Trump supporters, we all know a lot of them were displaced, a lot of uh, disconnect. And I was wondering if you think they're suffering from religious psychosis and from uh, schizophrenia on the basis of uh, religious or uh, persecutory uh, delusions. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, Dion. I think that uh, there there are low-level anxiety disorders uh, all across our country. I think that, you know, people are, are feeling anxious and concerned and worried and freaked out, and sometimes that's showing up in a variety of, of ways that don't seem to be necessarily tied directly to uh, the, the, the insanity of Donald Trump and things like that. Um, but, and, 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 I, and I get what you're saying, uh, you know, a lot of the Trump supporters are people who have been really, really hurt by Reaganomics policies, as I was pointing out in the last segment. And, and you know, wounded people, you know, they, they, they have their storyline. They, they, they believe that they know who screwed them. And, uh, you know, and Donald Trump comes along and says, oh, it was people of color who did it to you. You know, it's, it's, it's black people who want your jobs. It's Mexicans who want to rape your women, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, that, is the, that is the shtick that the Republicans and Donald Trump have been promoting. And, and, yeah, it is causing anxiety disorders. I don't think it's causing psychosis. Dion, thanks for the call. Kamaru in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Kamaru, what's up? Well, I just wanted to, um, just wanted to uh, expound on uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's uh, critique of General Kelly. Okay, um, I, I missed it, so you'll uh, have to fill me in. Okay, well... Um, Lawrence O'Donnell is from South Boston. Um, General Kelly is from Brighton. And these are two areas that I know well because um, I moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts, when I was um, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And Brighton was a place that we could not go to, and so was South Boston. So South uh, Brighton, where um, General Kelly grew up, is is just as racist as um, uh, South Boston, yeah. where uh, Lawrence O'Donnell grew up. So Lawrence O'Donnell pointed out that um, he outgrew the the attitudes that he was taught when he grew up, and Lawrence and General Kelly never did. Yeah. So um, the fact that he is a racist. Is, um, is is very obvious by the things that that um, he says. It's not Donald Trump making him a racist. It's he had these racist attitudes all along, and um, now he feels comfortable enough to let it all come out. Yeah, and, I, I agree with you, Kamaro. I mean, who who would stay in a Trump administration after Trump said? that there were some fine Nazis out there in Charlottesville. Who would stay in a Trump Absolutely. administration if they weren't to at least tolerant of racist attitudes? Yes, and the, the, um, this thing about um, North, uh, the Southern people being racist and um, Northerners uh, are not generally that way, it's just nonsense. Yeah. It's just flat-out nonsense. Oh, I agree. Let me Can just you... leave you with this, Tom. Sure. Um, 
in Cambridge, where I grew up from the time I was 10, um, the, there are two areas that are predominantly black. One is called the coast, and the other one is uh, called the port. And since I, I didn't, um, I wasn't born there, I never knew why uh, those two areas were called the coast and the port until um, one of uh, my friends, did, who was also an immigrant to Cambridge, did some research on it and found out that um, the coast was called the Gold Coast after, uh, excuse me, it was called the coast after the Gold Coast in Africa, right. where uh, at one time a bunch of slaves were imported. Yep. And the port was called uh, the port because um, that's where blacks entered coming in from Boston. So Cambridge was... Um, so it was, a, it was a slave transshipment point. Right, right. So that's where those two names came from. And Cambridge had its own um, uh, racial problems, but there were a lot more of us. There were almost none, I would say none, in South Boston and none in Brighton. Yeah. So um, that's where General Kelly is coming from, and we should not even uh, think about forgetting about his past and where he got those ideas and how he has just refused to outgrow them. Yeah, but let's, let's be clear, Kamaro. This is not something that is unique to South Boston or Cambridge. I grew up in Lansing, Michigan, and while I didn't hear the N-word very often growing up, and I, and I didn't know any people of color until I was probably 12 years old, um, what I did hear a lot was attacks at, at subgroups within, within, among white people. A friend of mine was Polish. Now, all these Polak jokes were going around, and everybody was, and it, it just made his life miserable. There's no doubt in my mind that had black people been impinging on our community, as it were, or were part of our community, that, that it would have been anti-black racism. I, it's just, it's, it was just there. This is, this is in every community. Kamara, thank You're you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. You know, Boston has no no corner on the market for white racists. They, the, the white racists fill this country. Michael in Brookline, Massachusetts. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, thanks for um, uh, taking the call. Listen, uh, I just have a general comment. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the trajectory of where uh, Trump and the Republicans want to go, they would like to dismantle Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security and bring us back to uh, the time before the New Deal. Um, and, um, and basically, no income tax on the, on the rich, all the tax on the, uh, on the middle class, but it's suicidal because ba basically what they're going to do, if th anything like this ever came to pass or any approximation, was they're going to create a Great Depression because the, the uh, bulk of the population the people supply demands, and if you just have serfs, you have a poor, a very poor society. So it's not so. And um, yeah. but this seems to be their program. They're always talking about gutting uh, Medicare or Medicaid. And the other problem with that is it's we paid insurance into all of these things, and particularly Social Security too. So they're now robbing us because now they're they're saying, okay, we'll cut the rate of benefits on your insurance policy, which is what this is effectively is. So it's totally. Corrupt and nuts. Yeah, the Republican plan for the United States is Louisiana. It's it, you can if you just in a to boil it down into a really quick nutshell. If you want the United States to not have Medicaid, to not have you know to have problems with Medicare, to to have enormous poverty, to have a terrible educational system, to have no functional infrastructure, not no, but you know less. The Republicans want to bring you Louisiana or Alabama. The Democrats want to bring you California or New York. It's really that simple. Democratic policies lead to states that have vigorous and growing economies. Republican policies lead to states that have, you know, basically poverty. And, and uh, you know, the Republicans are trying to turn America into a third world country. It's very straightforward. They're doing it for the benefit of their billionaires. They wouldn't characterize it as trying to turn America into a third and world country. And the billionaires will suffer, too. It's Ultimately, they will, yeah, but over the short term, uh, which could include, you know, an entire human lifetime, I don't think that they will. And, and you know, I even, agree. 
even if their wealth, you know, the wealth goes from 80 billion to 70 billion. I mean, you know, so what? Uh, right. And I think that, that that literally that they're thinking that way. Michael, I got to move sure. along, but thank you for the call. William in Macon, Georgia. Hey, William, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I really enjoy your show. And you're the only guy that could answer this question. Okay. Say the Republicans are found to be guilty of uh, fixing an election. Right. Is, is there, will, will they maintain power over this country, or if they fixed the election and rigged it, will the, will the Democrats get it? Who gets the White House when this uh, settles down? That's a damn good question, William, and it's the one that everybody's asking. It, it, there is no uh, provision in the Constitution or at law, to the best of my knowledge, for declaring a federal election void and redoing it. And yeah, we're definitely in uncharted water. Yeah, well, maybe. Or we're just, you know, in, in the old-fashioned impeachment place, and, and either Trump is going to resign like Nixon or he's going to get impeached and, and maybe uh, squeak through like Clinton did. But what, if, what, if, what if the next three guys that are in line for the presidency are also dirty? Well, that's, that's where you hope that you learn lessons from your experiences and... and I suspect that it's going to be a long time before anybody running for president of the United States wants to collude with any foreign power. Although, you know, who knows? William, thank you for the call. Uh, it, it, is a, it is essentially the existential question right now, which is what's next? If, if Trump is demonstrated to be a crook, we already know he's a liar, and most of the people in his administration are liars. If he's also demonstrated to be a crook, where do we go with that? Anyhow, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.